You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Okay, take three. <laughs> Hello, Riverdale gang. Hi. Welcome to Riverdale Gang, the critical commentary watch-along podcast that is recorded on unceded Tsleil-Waututh, Musqueam, and Squamish territories. Yes, um, much like Riverdale, the show we watch and adore and critique and dissect, uh, which is filmed on the uh, wider unceded territories of the Coast Salish nations. Yes. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, this is our third crack at yes. podcasting this episode um, because what are buttons? What are buttons? You know, yeah. it, it happens. We've got to like 40 some episodes without completely borking. It's true. We're on chapter 47. File. So add in a few hiatus episodes. Oh, yeah. Because we did go back and do the yeah. entire first season. So like. <laughs> That's not a bad run. It's not a bad run, but we're on, yeah, we're on take three of this. By the way, I don't know if we said this in case you're joining us for the very mm-hmm. first time. I'm Chloe. I'm Ryan. Hello. Hi. Um, I use any pronouns at all. What pronouns do you use, Ryan? Uh, he or they quite uh, interchangeably. Great. Um, so, yeah, we, <laughs> we had this wonderful intellectual conversation. I hope it was intellectual, but we'll never know. We'll never know. It it's felt gone forever. At the time, and then um, realized that the wrong button had been pressed, mm-hmm. and then we immediately jumped into um, a second round, and then the battery died. Yeah, it was all very, it was very tragic. Wah, wah, wah. So this one is up late. Normally we're <laughs> we post a few hours ago on Thursdays, but it's okay. Um, plus side, um, I think we can uh, we're we can for once summarize some of the subjects we want to poke into. Um, this is a very very um, LGBTQ plus friendly, representative, layered, dense episode that does a lot of things um, right. That a lot of things we've been asking for, waiting for for a long time. I think it's um, true to be like to be watching. Like we've watched it two and a bit times now because yeah. we've had to record it. Because we've had to record this, so to be watching this for like almost the fourth time is like fine. Yeah, I'm still good. Like yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's a good episode for us to do this on. Um, so that's something we're really excited to touch on more in depth. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit, um, about, uh, Chloe, you mentioned some upcoming, um, training yeah. events, uh, particularly around, um, territory acknowledgements. Yeah. So, um, when the first time we tried to record this episode, um, mm-hmm. I actually misspoke and left off a nation in our territorial acknowledgement at the opening of our podcast for mm-hmm. any of our american listeners who for have missed us talking about this in the past territorial acknowledgments are becoming quite common in um in unceded territory here uh, part of the reason for that is because um most of uh what's referred to as canada is on the treaty system and bc is not mm-hmm. so it hasn't formally been quote unquote um signed for or um uh bartered or like i hate this word and i don't i don't believe in it but like conquered in the old-fashioned sense like Mm -hmm. that that is just none of those things are realities in Mm -hmm. in this province um they are not true i would even argue in places where they are quote unquote true in the rest of canada they're still not true it's a very interesting and unusual legal loophole that exists in in the far west of of this particular country. Yeah, like to say mm-hmm. in some like there are a lot of people in mine and Ryan's political circles that refer to this part of the country as occupied um, mm-hmm. by the Canadian government, and legally that is not inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so all this to mm-hmm. say is that it's becoming quite common now in. Definitely in the theater world, but also in other artistic circles, and I think probably also in some business circles, hmm. to um, give a territorial acknowledgement <clears throat> at the outset of any event and to acknowledge that we're all uninvited and or invited, mostly uninvited guests here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm really enjoying uh, the the ongoing discussions uh, that I frequently pop up around us that I'm excited to share here as well around um, why we do uh, territorial acknowledgements. It's a it's meant to be a disruptive and protesting act that um, does feel a little uncomfortable and unusual. We're here to talk about Riverdale, um, but uh, every once in a while we it's important to veer into. Um, 
uh, some political deconstruction, take up that space, uh, especially because this is a show that dares to go into that political space that draws people who uh, are mindful and are open to this discussion, we hope. Yeah, and uh, like for example, there's there's that um, wonderful moment I think in this in season two, mm-hmm. where um, uh, Tony and Jughead and Tony's grandfather yeah. all have that conversation about the roots of the serpents, mm-hmm. and certainly like th- there's an mm-hmm. argument that apolitical art doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I have mixed feelings about that, but by and large, I do think it's true, and. <clears throat> um, for a show like Riverdale to be shooting on unceded territory and then to be paying, like, revenue to the the government, like, the government, essentially. Like, they have to mm-hmm. rent a mm-hmm. lot of the space and pay certain types of taxes mm-hmm. in order to shoot here. Um, taxes that are then gathered and then theoretically redistributed in ways that do or do not benefit the original peoples of this land. Mm. Um, I think it's, like, it's topic technically for any television show that's shot here. Mm-hmm. Topical, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a it's a relevant consideration to the work they're doing and the art they're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's there's the I, it's part of the um, I guess industry critical aspect and the the ongoing discussion of how we how we inhabit this this space as creative folks. Yeah, um, the two events that Ryan made reference to at, at the outset of this little discussion is um, I'm going to be attending. So there's a um, a indigenous arts festival <clears throat> here in our neck of the woods called Talking Stick Festival. I don't mm. know what year it's in, but it's... It's quite well established. Yeah, I, I think it is. nearing 20 years, but not quite. Yeah, something like that. And um, they have an industry series for theater folks to go to, and um, the invite is open to non-indigenous folks like myself, and um, I, I'm very grateful in that delinquent theater is paying for myself and one other person. I actually don't know who to go to this industry series Mm -hmm. and it's a four-day set of seminars and lectures and talking circles basically where we have an opportunity to learn something that is broadly under the theme of practicing indigenous arts Mm -hmm. and it's not like it's not a a welcoming open opportunity like sorry it is very welcoming but Mm -hmm. it is not like an open invitation is what I meant to say for Mm -hmm. like non-indigenous people to suddenly start practicing indigenous arts that's not that's not what's going on here right it's it's Um, quite curated yeah exactly and it like gives an opportunity to build dialogue and that kind of thing so anyway Mm -hmm. um the theme this year is um what is cultural appropriation? Like, how do we mm. how do we um, support non-indigenous people? Support um, indigenous storytelling without culturally appropriating? I think I imagine is going to be part of the discussion. But like mm-hmm. broad theme, cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. So I'm attending that, and I'm sure I'll have some thoughts to bring to the podcast if we're interested um, mm-hmm. afterward. Yeah. Um, and then on in March, I'm going to a training session put on by Revolver festival on how to give appropriate land acknowledgements mm-hmm. so that I can give one for the beginning of a play of mine that will be um, at Revolver Festival for a few days in May. Excellent, excellent. So that's um, that. <clears throat> if you're at all confused by a number of these names, um, Revolver Festival by Up in the Air Theater, these are a lot of uh, local and mid-level and, and sort of increasingly established uh, young theater companies in Vancouver and independent theater companies yeah. um, that we are delighted to be working with and, and frequently seeing the work of. Yeah. Um, really growing voices in the community. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's really, um, it's encouraging to hear a, a, you know, a young company like Delinquent who has high demands on their resources just for their work uh, really putting that commitment into artist training and development. Um, yeah, and not for themselves. Mm-hmm, for like their, they're sharing. Yeah, it. for their community broadly. Um, yeah. That's a really inspiring aspect that I see, I think, a lot of uh, in these these young companies. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, we also talked a bit in Draft 1.0. Um, we want we had a check-in moment uh Acknowledging after the, the this big discussion that uh, we b- are both white pe- uh, settlers yeah. who frequently discuss um, representation of people of color, representation of cultures and, and experiences outside of our own. Yeah. Um, yeah. We um, I, I think wanted to just take a moment and, and recognize mm-hmm. that and that is a, a, a pot- potential blind spot. 
Yeah, I do, like, Ryan pointed out when we were first talking about this that, like, we're literally performing at this moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I do have moment. <laughs> I do have concerns that sometimes what I say on this podcast sounds a lot like performative allyship. Right. Or like I'm talking about something as if it's my own lived experience when it isn't. Right, yeah. Um, and that is, that is a huge concern for me. I would love to hear feedback if that is something anyone has been feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, um, I make, I make efforts not to do that, but I'm a white person and I'm going to fail. So I have to make more efforts not to do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, generally, uh, I try to approach forcefully, um, positions and political statements that, um, I've encountered very well-foundedly from a number of, uh, of activist voices mm -hmm. who, who live in live that experience yeah. um, and oftentimes I I will curate and not necessarily cite these things essentially for brevity for flow and because it's something I, I read and maybe didn't properly cite yeah. uh, as I would if I was writing an essay about it um, but I, I I want to leave an open door for um, challenges to any opinions that we bring that are not always ours um, yeah and and I suppose a, a an apology in advance if we throw out things that we get wrong because we have some interpretation filters and biases as well that, yeah. uh, and blind spots. I guess, is that kind of the check-in? It wasn't so much like I don't, I am very, I, I'm not, this isn't a criticism, Ryan, mm -hmm. but I'm very, I'm very wary of apologizing in advance for things. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I guess I just want to offer the space to our listeners to know that if you hear microaggressions or something on this podcast, there is a door open to you where you can say, hey, not cool, go educate yourself. Mm, right, yes. And to also acknowledge that whenever I like, <clears throat> I saw a great meme the other day that said, it is a privilege to be able to learn about racism instead of having to live it. Mm. And I think that our positionality in terms of this like piece of pop culture that we fondly critique every week mm. um, like it's a privilege for us to be like hey that's not cool rather than oh i'm not on the screen again right in this particular way that might actually be an interesting seg into the the, the last big point that i really yeah. want to make sure Let's to make revisit um on my on my review list um of things we did okay last time mm -hmm. is um discussing um LGBTQ identities uh, mm -hmm. and the use of casual umbrella terms, yeah. uh, something that I caught myself doing quite a bit, and uh, I wanted to unpack that a touch before we go into uh, flowing commentary. Um, I frequently have been using the word queer in ways that that are umbrella-y. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to make a, a conscious effort to avoid that, recognizing that it's a, a, a partially reclaimed slur and is still a... A triggering thing or a slur for a lot of people um and on that subject uh this the, this actual segue um learning about homophobia versus feeling homophobia i was actually a bit um trepidatious coming into this episode um i came in a little emotionally drained um at the top of recording just life just normal life um, and I knew from preview images, this was going to be a pretty gay episode. Oh, um, that's interesting. I, I only knew that, sorry, carry on. <laughs> now, I, I, I will, I want to throw in gay as an umbrella term in this moment. Um, as I and I know Chloe, we frequently use it uh, in the like dragon burlesque and theater culture um, as sort of catch-all <clears throat> catch-all, opposite, yeah. straight, uh, flippant statement. Um, the, like, Harvey Milk era, gay loud. Um, yeah. With no intention of erasing femme identities within that. Yeah. And the identities or being super cis gay focused as much of the culture is. Um, yeah. And, like, we have, we have a, a, an acquaintance in our burlesque community, hmm? Draco Mothboy. Shout out, Draco. Um, who uses hashtag gay a lot as a very 
mm-hmm. like an umbrella term for anything <clears throat> non-normative in terms of gender or sexuality identity. Yeah. So in in this moment, I'm I'm trying to say more uh, gender and sexuality disrupting, um, but it's a lot quicker and more flippant to say gay at the moment. Um, yes. Just uh, thoughts on that word um, before saying we're going to have some really gay thoughts this episode because it's all of the uh, gay and lesbian and bi identified characters mm-hmm. really taking lead mm-hmm. um, and running a, a rare balance between putting their identities in the direct spotlight and living out stories that any heterosexual character could have been given but they weren't. Instead, one of my babies got it. Yeah. That's the that's kind of the, the amazing and unexpected balance that I felt from this episode um, that unexpectedly did not fatigue me to watch and to critique. Um, sort of acknowledging and, and giving a moment to, and of space to how much work it is to talk about your own one's own marginalized experience and how it is and is not um, accurately or healthily reflected in media Um, more often than not I see things wrong more often than not I think see things that are accidentally hurtful or accidentally you know make me sigh inside so it's um it's a rare treat to mostly be fine yeah this yeah yeah that's exactly yes Mm mm-hmm Ryan said all the things that are necessary. You can do now. Now, no, <laughs> we could watch the episode. Let's I guess watch the episode. We could do that. Yeah, uh, y'all can join us along on Netflix if you feel like watching along. Um, if you're not on, you know, your commute or something, I don't know how you listen. Um, I'm gonna get this all synced up so you can sync with us on the Badoom. Um, are you sitting comfortably, Ryan? I'm perched. I'm Would good. Would you like to reevaluate how you're sitting, Ryan? I'm perching in a way that reflects my emotional state. I think okay, I'm gonna good. I'm gonna curl around my mocha. <laughs> Ryan is curling around his mocha. I am not ready for the Badoom gang. Yes, let's do it. Are you gonna sing? Yes, clicking play for the Badoom of the Netflix logo. Bum bum bum. Previously on Riverdale, some boys kissed. It's true. And it was awkward for them. Dear Ryan, um, would you please tilt the screen towards us? Sincerely, <laughs> Chloe. Yes. Thank you. Uh, metatextual moments. ROTC. Yes. Vintage ROTC. Um, interesting how I, I didn't realize on first or second watch through that um, this flashback to the Josie moment is maybe more of a flashback to a Josie experience with drunk Archie. As oh. Archie is presented as her romantic interest while she gets to actually take a little focus this episode. That's, That's interesting. Yeah, it took, me a, it took me a few passes to read it that way because we're not used to expecting Josie perspective or agency. We are not trained for it by this show. Yeah. It's... This is a really love, lovely, lovingly disassociated scene. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what tricks they're using to not draw us to any of the, the four leads yeah. as they scan over. Yeah. It's like, they're there, don't worry, we're moving now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that they're lit like extras, it's that they're lit like living scenery. Yeah. This is a very sweet scene. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I like Kevin and Josie as step-siblings. That's a good combination. Yeah. The slow build of this family has been really rewarding. And um, I like this journey, this sub, this content being... Uh, it's, it's, it's the right-sized territory for the amount of screen time these characters have been given. Yeah. It's a refreshing use. Um we're telling stories that are relevant and exploratory of identity without being problem stories. I'm sorry, I'm distracted by this little moment. And, like, so this was the first moment when I saw this episode the first time. I was like, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. worried. Oh, no. Um, Tom Keller's gay. Not, oh, no, that would be bad because it's wonderful when people are gay. But, mm-hmm. oh, no, they're going to make some sort of boring drama out of, like... Closet story. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so this was my and first worry. We both pinged a moment of Major Mason has some looks and some gay feelings. Yeah. We both pinged that and Kevin checking him out on the walkout. Yeah. Um, not to talk totally over Tony and um, uh, Cheryl, but uh, this is also an interesting episode. Um, Major Mason is played by uh, Simon Hussey, an actor and producer who we've both worked with before. Um, and it was a very strange experience as it always is watching someone you know on TV. Um, but uh, he had posted in on Facebook before I watched the episode, a, like, thanks for everything, my final episode in Riverdale, and I was curious how that was going to play. And um, when we get to his scene, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about his uh, his, char- his character performance background as we've worked with him and how that uh, delights me as how his plot actually played out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this was my other sense of worry about this. I was like, oh, like, uh, Cheryl's just going to have a bunch of white privilege in front of Tony, mm. and she's just going to be fine with it. And instead she unpacks it. Yeah. And does things actively and proactively. Yeah. And reactively, I guess, which is not the greatest, but she does some goods. That seems yeah. to be guided by listening. Yeah. Um, also, like, Cheryl... Blossom family tradition sucks. <laughs> Please break it. What value do you still hold in this, Cheryl? Yeah. This is fair point. Um, We're talking through Reggie and Veronica and poor Hermione and... Hijinks. Reggie is, like, kind of trying to be cool and, like, is about to be a teenager for the rest of the episode, which I love. Same yeah. with Veronica. I don't know anything about Ozark. I don't know that <laughs> reference at all. I was very reminded of the um, Betty and Veronica investigation episode uh, in the the little triptych last season mm-hmm. where they very foolishly stumbled into Mayor McCoy and uh, Sheriff Keller's affair uh, and doggedly pursued it like stubborn kids. Um, it's a lovely flashback without, um, done without un- disempowering Veronica's achievements over the last uh, season. Like okay. she is, she's she's made this problem for herself, um, and it is new territory. Um, I felt like it was a fresh new problem that didn't invalidate everything she's learned and done this season, which is a, a rare achievement, I think, in this kind of episodic storytelling. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Cheryl also, versus yeah, homophobia yeah. again. There's some like concern, like confusing um, messaging there that like the evil. The thing in Cheryl's way is, like, a very sensible policy of trying to diversify a student body. Yes. Just saying. Um, we're slightly weirdly referred to later as a, like, literal exclusion of legacy candidates. Um, yeah. Whereas simply removing that from consideration seems kind of, seems like a fair step. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> slightly weird wonk moment. But Cheryl does good with it. Yeah. Um, this was this was my other, like, concern about this episode. I was mm. like, oh, no, we're just going to get, like, a big, long episode where we only see the versions of gay men where they repress themselves and we don't get an opportunity to see their joy. Right, right. It's, you know, the, there are certain arcs and stories yeah. of coming out and closeting and angst that are South Park level overdone. Yeah. Um, and it's not that it's not real. It's just that there are, there's more than one story. Yeah. I'm, I'm sick of only those stories, those really, really sad um, emotion porn stories, torture porn stories being the ones given space. Um, they did something different without hiding the harshness of um, these lived experiences, which is quite an achievement. For This was a show that talked about conversion therapy without entering any territory that felt triggering to me around the threat of conversion therapy, which is, um, which is a feat. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking over, again, an adorable romantic chemistry yeah. scene and Sweet Pea's first monologue. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate this dude, like, stating his needs and his emotions and being like, I can't do this. Yeah. And then Way Josie to takes it honestly about and your processes. Emotions, dude. It's so sweet. And they, they're good together. Yeah, it's great. Like, Archie seemed like a reasonable stepping stone to Sweet Pea Endgame. Yeah. It sounds like Josie over on Katie Keene. Um, oh, yeah, spoiler 
for the next year. I don't know. Um, Josie is apparently slated to appear on the spin-off series Cater- Katie Keene, um, set several years in the future. We don't know yet what this means exactly for Josie McCoy on Riverdale, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, it means she doesn't die, so that's something. um so we talked about the problem of penelope when we were recording Uh, like i really want to like her because she is a strong businesswoman who is proud to be a sex worker and makes evidently a safe space for other sex workers from what we can tell and yet and she sent her daughter to gay conversion therapy we cannot like her (laughs) and they don't forget it either they in this very episode, she's explicitly homophobically motivated. Like, yes. that's her jam. She's digging in. Um, but they walk a line between cartoonish and too real. Yeah. Also, Quite this nice couple thing. is super hot. Yeah. Yes. Before their lives get ruined by this letter. I just sure. want to point out that that scene between them was just, like, super hot. Watching them be happy is actually really refreshing. I know! These two supporting characters who've been through some stuff. Yeah, they're both having plot. They both look really attractive. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit what Hermione got to do last episode, but fluffier. It is. It's nice and fluffy. A little less dark and murdery. Ryan, you look so uncomfortable where you're perched. Are you okay? Uh, whatever discomfort I'm expressing, it's an expression I need. I'm okay. leaning into it, Chloe. Okay. <laughs> also, here we go, Gargoyle King. This is dumb. I don't like it. I I actually, like, at first I was, okay, sorry, that's not true. At first I was like, this is dumb and I don't like it. But then it turned out to be really great. I was, I was here for this clever reintroduction or reuse, felt clever to me, of Gargoyle King in a a way that echoed the pacing of the Svensson Black Hood use. Um, Fake outs, twists, but fairly expertly executed um, by giving the characters valid reason to exhale valid reason to relax, letting them lower their guards again. Yeah. I feel like that's good thriller pacing. Um, I don't need to... I, the audience, don't ne- need to necessarily lower my guards so much as I want to see the characters uh, e- expose their bellies a bit so that mm. they can be dissected in fresh new ways. Yeah. Because kill, kill all your darlings. Kill all the darlings. I love this scene between two queer characters, mm-hmm. hashtag gay characters, who mm-hmm. are just, like, doing their thing. What a lovely assembly of people on screen. Um, Cheryl identifying this episode as the first out lesbian uh, student body president. Excellent. She's she's given us a word. She's chosen a word, and they did it. Comfortably, casually. Yeah. We I think we kind of know where Kevin's at. And I think we also kind of know where Moose is at, as far as presumably bisexual, yeah. having partners of both binary gender identities, mm-hmm. uh, well-established romantically. Um, Mr. Mason, that discussion. Yeah. There's a nice bundle of folks here. Yeah. Of different different perspectives and lenses. Lots happening. It's it's fi- it's enough to, to not feel tokeny. Yeah. Even though there is, it's a little bit of a, you know, one of each flavor. Just a touch. Just a tiny touch. Yeah. Also, way to take Kevin seriously and, like, be a bit of a dickhead, Cheryl. Yeah. This was awful. I was so ashamed of Cheryl. I'm I'm pleased with the evolution of the outing storyline, as it has come from the days of Glee, for example, when Finn bluntly outed Santana and it was a very special episode for three episodes mm-hmm. and everyone cried about their song feelings and that's real. But the way these characters cope with this, talk about this, talk, unpack their intentions and their actions and the rift between them, this is much better social discussion and unpacking than I've seen on predecessor shows. Yeah. I, I, uh, shout out to Kevin's line just now, unless they're mm-hmm. conservative politicians, I thought was very charming. Yeah. Um, relevant to say I was accidentally outed to family members. Really? It sucked. Um. Oh God, Ryan, I'm so sorry. Did you, did you not know that? No, I didn't know that at all. Didn't I say that in draft 2.0? I don't know. Anyway. 
Um, so no, yeah, like if been you there. did, I couldn't hear it over the show. <laughs> That's there. awful. Um, like this is a great scene. Yeah. If you are currently watching this scene, like I know we're gonna talk over it, so we don't have dead air, but <laughs> focus on this this scene. Listen to Tony. This Tony is just like what we have been wanting from her for this entire season right now, <laughs> and like, oh my god, <laughs> my like god, this, this has nothing to do fight. with the fight. Yep. Cheryl's naivety is wonderfully um, reacted to here, to my mind. Like, she she's screwed up from a very honestly oblivious place, but then she does the work yeah. of, of, of an apology, the actions of an apology. And she is lucky enough to have someone articulate and e- enough who loves her enough to, to burn the energy... Uh, breaking it down for her. Um, and we get this spectacular Tony speech. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It's not too often that Riverdale really nails the smooth naturalistic writing. That's not quite their forte. That's not quite like they lean into, but I really enjoyed this scene a lot. Um, we got a few layers of Cheryl vulnerability and, and honesty that are rarely cracked open um, in her processing. Such a nice scene. It is a nice scene. Because they, like, just had a relationship talk and, like, they just also had to talk about the fact that, like, Cheryl is an oblivious privilege machine. And it grew and they got better and they grew up and, and, and they were both just darling. Darling, wise... Yeah. Brilliant. Teenagers. Teenagers. <laughs> this is, like, so I like the stuff between them, but when we first saw this episode, we were like, no, we do not want Josie and Archie. Archie is not good enough for her. We want her to have her own plot. No. <laughs> that was basically our reaction the first time. This has slowly grown on me in Watch 4.0, <laughs> only through the lens that um, Archie's really cute, and is an appropriate transitional fling and emotional journey mid-game for Josie to have in her character arc. He's good enough yeah. to date Josie. He maybe isn't the man she should marry. Um, but I don't think that's where we're headed anyway. So, like, young people can have happy, fun, non-escalator relationships. Archie can be an escalator. Yeah. Also, he does one of the most sexy, consensual things at the end of this episode, which we will come to. We're officially dead. In the speakeasy. I love Reggie's line here. (laughs) Yep. Did that really happen? (laughs) (laughs) He's in a new movie right now, and Mm. I don't know what it's called, but it's just cool. I think he, like, he's got these great, like, leading man cheekbones that I just want to, like... Hope yeah. that he gets to use. <laughs> he's got a uh, quite a dashing look about him, and yeah, this this episode hattie. really let his charisma shine. I think um, he really walked the line of um, uh, ditzy and naive, but still believably competent. It, it, it played as young but excited, but enthusiastic, but capable, but young. Yeah, that's what I got this episode. Um, yeah, I liked it. Do you also notice that everyone, every teenager in this is, like, dealing with their parents, like, dealing with their legacy? Like, Tony, it's the serpent. Cheryl, it's mm. the blossoms. <laughs> for him, it's the dealership. For her, it's her mom being bonkers. Uh-huh. Um, running for, a gang. Yeah. For Archie, there Secret isn't... Secret running a gang. Archie and Josie, there isn't really anything. But mm-hmm. for Kevin and Moose, it's, like, their father's history. Mm. Like... Well, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Now, Veronica is the only of the four the four main characters who gets any specific, uh, significant screen time this episode. Archie, I would argue, is is put through the romantic interest lens. Yeah. For this episode alone. Um, and it becomes a Prince Charming for this episode. That's how we get to see him. Maybe we should be looking at this storyline more through Reggie's lens. Yeah. Touch. Because this does seem to be a, a, a very intentional concession to these underutilized characters. 
Um, and Veronica is a, a bit anomalous in how present she is. Yeah. But that's also where Reggie is. Right now, his character exists best defined in relationship to her. Yeah. She might. Um, now, the Midnight Club, I thought, was also yeah. fairly cleverly uh, re-engineered, revisited. Um, yeah. The, it was thrown back into stakes and contention in a way I didn't expect to really work, mm-hmm. but was refreshing. I w- yeah, I was also really ex- expecting either, like, because she guesses the Gargoyle King's motivation here, mm-hmm. either, mm-hmm. either which ends up being true, actually, she just, like, misses slightly. Mm-hmm. I expected, like, the big reveal to be, like, Penelope's evil, Penelope's the Gargoyle King, <laughs> or for this plotline, honestly, to be quite boring, and instead it was really engaging, and I liked it. Uh, this this is an episode that um, how it was laid out felt much longer, felt very long to me, but not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, I I felt like the episode was wrapping up with the Midnight Club. I felt like we were racing towards an urgent completion, but then a lot more happened. I was yeah. distracted along <laughs> with the Midnight Club. Yeah, which is quite a coup. Yeah, of uh, of of narrative plot pacing. By the way, I just really need to point out that Archie would not be allowed to just sit in this audition. You don't yep. just get, you don't, like, a lot of auditions for Juilliard are blind auditions. Like, you don't even see the performer. Like, come now. It's slightly serious business, but whatever dramatically engaging visuals or something. Sure. Yeah. I mean, she looks, she looks like... Like, very angelic, the way they lit her. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the girls in 3B. I'm going to have to... And then gunshots! <laughs> and then... Run! Like, Veronica... Like, all of Veronica's mob training leaves her, and she doesn't drive away immediately. Yep. She still doesn't... He's going, go, the go, urgency go. here. Oh, my God, Richie. She's so worried, but she's not You're driving. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, like, I got shot. And she's like, well, are are you okay? It's like she's asking, like, if he got gum in his hair, practically. And, like, Reggie has just hijacked presumably hundreds of thousands of dollars of drugs from an underground meth lab and burned them. Like, Reggie's been doing some hilarious, hardcore, capable things pretty much on his own for several episodes. It's it's delightful to see him grazed by a rent-a-cop. Mm-hmm. Um... It's just a, just, just, it, it, it's all the more charming. <laughs> Sorry, mad sapphic caper, just kind of. Anyway, um. Penelope's such a presence. She is. I want to like her, but she sent her daughter to get conversion therapy. Agreed. I will never like She's her. She's got a great dress on, though. I will never be here for a redemption arc for Penelope, but she has wormed her way into a really spectacular villainous role. Um, she is comfortably irredeemable to me, and I'm sad for what that means as far as this show and its hope and future of representation of sex workers. I think they have comfortably missed boats there, as we talked about yeah. in, in past episodes. Um, but they have instead given a spectacular villain who, um, somehow talks bluntly about her homophobic, homophobic motivation without, um, becoming too real for me. I don't know where that line is exactly, but yeah. I'm entranced with Penelope on screen. I'm thrilled to watch her fall. I'm thrilled to see how it happens. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm distracted by Josie receiving this sad news about her audition mm. and talking about like how many sacrifices she's made and everything. And I, it yeah. got me reflecting on like, it's got me reflecting on like how. Aw, you're not alone. Mm. Um, it's got me reflecting on how much auditions are dependent on, like, what mood everybody's in that day. Yes. You know? Like, it's okay, Josie. You're still a great singer. It, it means you so are. little. Um, the more I hold auditions, and I was organizing for an audition um, pool uh, earlier this morning, actually, um, the more I see it as it has nothing at all to do with your ability to be the best with with a performer's excellence that gets you in the door that's all and then it's entirely down to what do we need right now even with schools unfortunately yeah um, that's my understanding as well the 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 building of an ensemble is not just the building of the class full of the best of the best to achieve the most but 
um, personality and balance and style. Oh, right. Sorry, I forgot about the dye for a sec. The dye was excellent. I was, I was distracted by him being like, oh, it's just a graze. You know, now I can mm-hmm. say I got shot. <laughs> Um, yeah, I wanted to say, and I forgot the last three times, that I thought Josie's reaction felt very, like, I felt that. Yeah. That that felt yeah. true. And Moose is so happy to be a little bit out. And this yeah. was a charming twist that, you know, despite this still being a story about homophobia in the closet, the tension and the punch didn't land in, land in tropey ways. Also, we don't believe that they're just having sex for the first time. We find that completely unbelievable. Yeah, that's odd. That's really odd. These are horny teenage boys who um, who cruise in the woods. Like, I don't know what Kevin means by cruising exactly, but, like, I mean, yes, great, sweet, if they are taking their time. There's nothing wrong with waiting for sex. They have not displayed a non-sexual relationship on this screen yeah. for the last two years. <laughs> That's yeah. not been what's suggested to me. Also, the, um, this is the only moment in this narrative that I don't like. <laughs> if a privilege, a person more privileged than me in my life is like, here, I'll give you my college interview. I'd be like, keep it. Like, I don't need your <laughs> pity. I don't need you to feel better about yourself. But I think that it's possible that it seems like Cheryl and Tony don't have that relationship. So it's... Yes. Not that. Yes. That's not what's it it going could on. be insanely patronizing, but somehow <laughs> it's just Cheryl. Cheryl. That's so funny. Oh, yeah. This, oh, so I had this no was, idea. This, this blew me away as well. We love this. Gina Gershon is the biggest curveball yes. that this show has thrown us all yes. season. Yes. They must have had some very positive feedback about that episode when Jughead went to visit her. I mean, here's the thing this was probably almost certainly filmed before that aired. Yeah, but I guess so. The, the feedback, I imagine, would have been from on set and from the creators working with her. Yeah. Like, that's more likely. But that, that sort of dynamic shows in the dailies, shows in her performance in that, that special mm-hmm. episode. Um, I also love how momly she is in this scene. Yeah. She it's acknowledges like so mom quickly. Gang, gang mom. Like, gang it's so mom. Great. Like, she'll mess them up if she's gotta, but she's gonna be nice in advance. Like, she deals with them. And she does it so smart. Yeah. Um, she cleverly gathers assets. Veronica and Reggie don't even realize they're being gathered and collected, yeah, right? Yeah, I know. It's potent. Um, yeah. The, the anchoring of familiarity with Jughead, you know, that's such a wonderful trick that throws them off. Yeah. Um... But there's, there's, sorry, I'm mm-hmm. also distracted by the way they've got her costumed. Like, she even mm. looks like she went out and bought new clothes for this. Yeah, you yeah. Know? This like, is a business be- meeting. She means business. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. We'll figure out a payment plan. Like, what gang mob <laughs> boss type says that? Like, that's so momly. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because um, she played... In many notes, a very similar character in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is what I most recently know her from. But that show, weirdly, despite being comedy that is not the same height in reality as Riverdale, um, this feels like a much better expression of the same starting character tropes. Um, Badass, leather, wrong side of the law. Very different perspective, very different character with a lot of the same traits, but used in a whole clever, fresh new way. Like, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm loving what they're doing with her. Yeah. It's elevated by what she's done before recently. That's yeah. what I think I'm trying to say. Yeah, totally. Then more gay conversations. More gay conversations. Um, Cheryl says exactly the right thing, and Moose is very, very generous. Yeah. Frankly. Forgive, did you forgive the people who outed you? Yeah, I got over it. And uh, dealt with it. <laughs> this quick? No, no, there's more Valium involved in mine. Um, but... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Moose also had the chance to have that conversation with his dad on his own terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, not something I had. Oh, um, I'm sorry, that's awful. Um, but also, Moose has a loving boyfriend who... Honest to goodness is a bit of a, like, 
motivation. Um, yes, another beat that we chatted about uh, that we missed this time, the um, moment where Kevin asks or expresses that he fe- he I feels know. like he's not loved oh, enough, that his partner isn't coming out. That's that's a real feel. That's a real insecurity. Oh, and that's that so sad. My heart. I've only dated women who were out. Yeah. So... It's a it's a huge huge tripping stone. That is. I mean, I've also dated men who are out, but they were all straight. So duh, they were out. <laughs> <laughs> but the women I have dated have been out. Mm. Or I haven't dated them in like an intense enough way that that was meaningful. I love. <laughs> there was a split second the first time I saw this. <laughs> yeah. Um, where I was like, Penelope just killed all of the adult characters. Murdered half the class. This just half became. The cast. This just became, like, the city of children somehow. Well, it would become the city of children and Penelope, their overlord. <laughs> what a spectacular spinoff that would be. <laughs> Not even Riverdale is so bold. Yeah. But. Oh, what is Alice's long game, though? Uh, I don't even. I still think she's in a survival place. I'm not. Does she have a long game right now? She, I don't. Like, she's giving all her money to... I don't know. I'm just... Yeah. She she is making some bold moves. I love that um, he brought a can She's just so cute. I was... I to squish them, and then they just, like, get naked. It's so great. I was so worried these young men were going to ruin the first time <laughs> by discovering <laughs> a corpse under their bed. Yeah, that would not have been But okay. I guess we've dealt with tall boy's body. That would have been dramatic. Do you think they just had sex in the girls' bathroom to see if it was clear? Allison. I didn't clock that, but sure. Yeah. New head cannon. <laughs> Amazing. And then <sighs> it's coming. It's coming. What are we seeing? Some, <gasps> somehow they captured a lot of the, 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 the beats and rhythms I liked from the Midnight Club episode in this sequence. I'm really charmed by it. Yeah. Um, the, the weird continuity of character that these, these performers have created. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. Ugh. Creepy. And exactly as Penelope called it. Yeah. Because she is a smart villain. She, she is knows a smart evil. Villain. It's like when it's like when politicians make really wild accusations about what the opposition's doing and they know they can do it because they've done it themselves. Yeah. I also I also yes, that. I also um the by the way, I love that almost all the kids are getting it on when they call them. <laughs> yeah. Um, like good teenagers. Um, <sighs> when uh, Reggie's dad, mm-hmm. even though evidently there's tension in that relationship and he's not a good father to Reggie in terms of physical abuse. Like, still his, doesn't want him dead. He still doesn't want him dead. And I think that's one of the complexities of like abusive child parent relationships is that their love is present even when abuse is present. Mm hmm. It's like, or, I mean, that's a huge overgeneralization. I think I've, no two abuse cases are the same. Mm-hmm. Also, this is Betty's, like, second scene and one line in this whole episode. <laughs> she gets a break. Yeah. It's refreshing. And she gets to make out with her boyfriend. Yeah. It's great. It's a great day. <laughs> IRL boyfriend. Everybody kiss. Yeah. All of the kisses. Night hag. <laughs> I'm almost surprised she answered. I was expecting her to be the one not to answer her mom of all people. Um... And then we had a boom beat of tension. And this was like, I was so worried. I was like, Riverdale, if you kill these two gay men for having sex, I'm going to be so mad. Ryan wasn't worried. I was worried. I was emotionally numb and immune. I decided immediately, I see what you're doing. And if you were a show that would do this, that would kill one of them off. If you were going to the, the, the 100 it up, I wouldn't be watching this show. And I'm just going to trust you're not that show because I wouldn't be watching you. I don't like even this like even this just upsets me just seeing this scene where I know nothing's going to happen to them. Mm -hmm. I'm just really upset. I enjoyed that the only beat of violence was Kevin punching a dude in the face. Yeah, that's fine. Yep. I just don't like it. Yep. They're in the dark and they're in their underwear and they're scared and they're I just don't like it. Yeah. Don't like it commentary and critique about these uh, guys ending up back in that double layer underwear after immediate sex. Maybe it's cold in there. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, um, also it's like very 50s. Then great, great violence threat. Great, great violence threat. Um, And the arrow that we knew, that I was sure was going to save us. Because Cheryl is... uh, Cheryl has many flaws, but she's very good at violent interventions 
saving her LGBTQ buddies from violence. It's kind of a specialty. I just don't like it. I I was a touch taken by Kevin's bravery and his urgency to drink first and little things. I also absolutely love that the parents and the teenagers all teamed up together to save them. That's great. Full effort. Um, I like that the scene we have coming up is largely seen through FP and his horror. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, this is an episode about very targeted homophobic motivations mm-hmm. that is um, allowed to be processed and seen by straight adjacent characters with appropriate horror. There's just so much that sort of smoothly works here. I don't know. At least yeah. for my personal buttons and vulnerabilities and soft spots. Yeah, I I felt okay about this scene too. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan and I mentioned the first time mm-hmm. we were talking about this episode that um, intergenerational trauma around gay conversion therapy, mm-hmm. like that seems very foreign to me. It's not that gay conversion therapy doesn't exist in Canada. It does. But mm-hmm. I think the religious right is so much more obvious in and vocal in the United States that mm-hmm. the fact that the constant fear of gay conversion therapy in this show right really strikes me. Mm. See, it's interesting because that reflects quite comfortably with my lived experience. It was th- something I was always very aware of, even though um, I never intellectually anticipated that's something my parents might uh, turn to. Um, yeah. But I always felt just the vulnerability that I knew existed. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, and I think that's a really like important, like privilege distinction to mm. point out between like my lived bi pan experience and your lived gay experience. Like mm-hmm. because I had access to straight culture in a very different way, it was never a concern for me. Like it never mm. occurred to me to be a concern. You know right. What I mean? right, right, right. So thank you. Yeah. It's a privilege I didn't notice until now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I. It's quite a handling, this this episode of that subject matter. And um, a slightly different note, um, this scene and the intensity of the possessed, um, the possession by the, the G&G, as it were, that uh, Major Mason plays out, um, this was the aha moment. That's how Simon got this gig. Um, just incidentally, because I've worked with Simon mainly through Spectral Theater, a horror theater performance uh, company. And so mm-hmm. I know him most for playing Satan, for playing uh, yeah. abusive dads, for yeah. playing playing monstrous demons, and these spectacular, over-the-top, um, supernatural characters. Uh, so it was really fulfilling to get that final punch uh, of seeing through probably a very different lens than just about any other viewer. Uh, that scene of, hey, it's that guy doing that thing he does really well. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It was uh, an interesting way to experience that scene. Yeah. Um, so here's uh, Mrs. Jones, Gladys, like yeah. really getting her hooks into her boys here. There's such a little beat of it, of anxiety in FP in this yeah. scene, even in Jughead, but it's so happy it's brushed over. This is This is good family tension. Yeah. I I eat this up. Yeah. This is I'm nervous. Nervous for Jughead. Gonna get his heart bork again. Hmm. Heart bork. And then there's another like this this felt like a shire scene to me, a after the after the climactic peak we're still going here. And they gave me a few more narrative beats. Yeah. And this really sweet, um, so romantically charming kiss. Yeah. This and was... they sing together, which is like, it's hard to sing with people. And they sing so nice together. Their yeah. voices really work well in this scene. Because um, musical Archie hasn't been on this show in a bit, mm. um, I often forget that KJ Apa is actually a very proficient musician. Yeah. Like, it's obvious to us that the... Um, 
I just forgot the name of the woman who plays Josie. Ashley Murray? Ashley Murray, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Is like we see her music musicianship yeah, constantly she... on the show and that's awesome. Like I'm so glad that we get to see that. Mm-hmm. But I I was like I had a moment of like, "Ooh, Archie, you better keep up with her." And then I was like, <laughs> "Oh, yeah, he'll be yeah. able to keep up with her." <laughs> um he apparently just played a, a a secret concert recently with his with a band he threw together in, that's so in town. Uh doing the early early 20s garage band thing. Um early 20s? Yeah, you know. Oh, his early 20s. His early 20s. I was like, there were garage bands in the 20s? Oh, no. Got it. I caught up. Early 1920s, early 2020s. Yeah. Dadism is on the rise and fascism's just whispering around the corner. Oh, wow. Nothing changes. (laughs) This is a beautiful, um, beautiful duet to serenade us. I don't know this song. Into the 20s. Me neither. Look at this adorable cake with these personalized, like, uh... What's the, it? The toppers. Toppers, thank you. And another just, like, giving space to watching people be happy. Yeah. It's charming. Okay, damn. They got good chemistry, these two actors. Yeah, more than more than I've seen before. Like, I wonder yeah. what scenes we haven't seen or what them playing off of each other we haven't seen that maybe led to this in the storyline. Yeah. Um, oh, this, this scene. This scene is very, very touching. Yeah. And I want, I like, I was rooting for this couple so hard. All Kevin's um, guys leave him sadly and for good reasons. Yeah, this seemed like of all the possible breakups for them to have, this is the one I was the, this is of the possible options, this is one I'm okay with. Yeah, they better be keeping him open to give him something good. Like, let the man be happy or give him something awesome. Either or. Yeah. You know. Did we catch if it was Glendale or Greendale? I didn't. No. We, mm. Anyway, We're he's, not gonna go back. he's going away. Maybe to Sabrina? Probably not. Yeah, Maybe to well, Sabrina. I mean, I great for great for Cody Kearsley if he is getting a Sabrina transfer. Yeah. Because that's a sweet gig. Yeah, and also, like, he could make out with Chance Ambrose. Perdomo. That would be fine. And yes. Chance Perdomo's boyfriend in the show. <gasps> he could make out with Prue and Chance. Yeah. Oh. That would be fine. Romantic dreams for Moose Mason. Yay! And his... Assem- he, he can be the thrall of some delightful witches? Sure. Pansexual? Anyway. <laughs> weird fanfic. Also, here's <laughs> Tony's new girl gang. This isn't girl quite gang. as satisfying. P.S. Love the retro hair in here. So fun. Yes. Um, This isn't quite as satisfying for me on mm. a third or fourth watch through because mm. what I would have hoped was that Cheryl went to Jughead and was like, look, I messed up, but let Tony back in the gang. Yeah. That's make amends like, with the serpents yeah. who have history and family connection and yeah. meaning. But this isn't... This, this is a nice close second. It's a signature Cheryl Blossom kind of, um, you know, I won't go back and fix this bridge. I'll just yeah. cut you a new swath through the forest. Yeah. Like, she went on, like, the Riverdale Queers Facebook group and yeah. was like, hey, y'all, my girlfriend's in this place where she feels like she doesn't have a family. Can you help me out? Let's make a gang. Yep. Hot leather jackets for yeah. any anyone who wants to hang out yeah. and be awesome. Happy to use my privilege to get us all jackets. <laughs> I love how um, taken taken aback how blindsided Hermione is like legitimately yeah this is a real challenge rising unexpectedly to her um and it's really I'm loving this time di- this dynamic uh Jellybean is such a charming character she is but I like I'm having some mixed feelings about like Gladys dragging her daughter into manipulating her husband like I understand why Jellybean might be really yeah annoyed at her deadbeat dad yeah. <laughs> who is no longer deadbeat but that's not the point it's hard to heal from that stuff let's also acknowledge that fp has been sitting on a throne playing yoda for two seasons while his son runs his gang for him he needs some plot it's true yeah like, and we're back to these two beautiful people singing <laughs> there's a little bit of a passing the gang long to your kid generational thing perhaps beautifully lit and kj appa i'm actually attracted to him for the first time ever mm-hmm. and can I kiss Can you? Can I kiss you? What a charming thing. My underpants thing. are on fire. What a on spectacularly fire. charming, smooth line. There is nothing more romantic that this show has ever done. Yep. My mm-hmm. underpants are on fire, Riverdale. Mm-hmm. On fire. Good job, KJ. Good job, Riverdale. 
fire on. Say it aloud. Anti's fire. Just in case you weren't clear. Oh man, I think we recorded that one. I think we did. Oh gosh, I hope so. Do you want to have a look at the mic and make sure? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to hear some rustling as I hold the mic. Yeah, that says 47 seconds of content. 47 seconds? I'm not sure if you could, if I had to erase that wrestling. 47 minutes. 47 minutes of content. Not 47 seconds. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We love that episode. In case you can't tell, we loved that episode. It was a little frustrating having to watch it four times. Like immediately back to back. The way we do. But, but here of all we the are, <laughs> all together, surviving. Normally, I feel like I have more reflections, but I feel like we got those out of the way sort of in advance. Um, I'm just going to bask in that episode. Yeah. I, I feel happy and content and excited to see what comes next week. This this felt like a nice step away from the intense genre pieces. Yeah. A real balance to the sort of um, uh, prototype Riverdale, the serial weekly Riverdale. Um, mm-hmm. I liked it. I felt like we were back with teenagers again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of, I think the refocusing on Kevin and Reggie and Cheryl and Tony helped that because these are characters who've not been in such a nihilistic existential place all season. They're been, they're dealing with stuff, but yeah. they haven't been mauled by a bear. Yeah. Out of the blue, just, and then never mentioned again. Yeah. <laughs> As happens to certain folks. <laughs> yeah. Just a bear. One strike. One one strike and that bear took off. Left the dog. That's that's true. Yeah. Left the Didn't dog. Didn't bother the dog. That's not how Canada works. It's not how bears work. <laughs> or dogs, for that matter. <laughs> None of these. This, that's not how any of this works. It's but true. here we are. Um, yes. So, any last thoughts, Chloe? I think I'm good. Hashtag gay. So happy. Yes, that was a very gay episode. That was a very um, successful episode of telling fresh new stories that were included experiences I don't usually see, but didn't bork them and didn't wallow in misery. Yeah! Refreshing. Refreshing. Till next time, gang. I'm Ryan. I'm Chloe. See you next week. See you next week.